Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today once again by Parker. Hello. The hello, newly, hello. the newly caffeinated Parker. Yeah, I hope to only yawn four to five times during this episode. I think you just need a lot of oxygen for your big brain. Yeah, that that must be it. You, you know, the funny thing is, like, there were a couple times where I I, I was able to mute myself. <laughs> oh, I I could tell because every time you unmuted it, you giggled a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, I think she just muted to yawn, but I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I did do what I can. And and uh, and right now, Meatball is tearing tearing into her bed in search of food that she hid there. So, oh my god, if you, if you hear her rattling, it's it's this. I'll. You know, I'll even I'll take a video and send to you. Thank you so much. That's all I ask. Um, guys, you're listening to Light Trees and News. Hello. We talk about uh, pop culture up top, then some bad news. But then we end everything with good news. And I feel like I have to explain the structure of the show occasionally because someone who doesn't get it will be like, why were they just talking about movies on a news show? And it's like, well, we're both. We do both because things are really bad right now in the world. And we like to remember things that also make us happy. Right? Because that's important as well. Oh, my God. I hear Meatball. Yeah, exactly. You hear that? I do. Yeah, and right now, right now, watching this is making me happy. Hell yeah. But, Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'm going to post it online. Now it'll make everyone happy. So, yeah. yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. While we're in the pop culture section, I have like a story I wanted to get to just because I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about it. But before I get to that, is there anything else that you've been? It doesn't have to be just like watching, listening or or reading, but like stuff you're looking forward to anything you've eaten that's been good lately, like literally oh, yeah. anything that you've like anything good. Or, you know, seen and it made you smile. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. There is some good in the world, but I can't can't think of anything at the moment. I guess I don't. Oh, man, Meatball is laying really weird right now. I'm also going to take a photo of that. Thank you so I much. Mean, I mean, Meatball always makes me happy, uh, especially when things are like really shitty. And, and that's that's been kind of a, a constant in. um. <laughs> in my unemployment. So that's that's made me happy. But mm-hmm. uh, one thing that I have going for me is there I have several things that I'm looking forward to. Hell yeah. And one of them is not this weekend, but next weekend, uh, there's Riot Fest in Chicago. I'm excited for that because yeah. it has a, has a bunch of uh, punk bands that I've I've loved since I was I was a small child. <laughs> And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to, to see that I've, I've been on like a, a weird nostalgia kick with like seeing bands that I was a fan of when I was in high school lately. And yeah, I think like we talked weird about form that. Of like escapism that I, I don't know. I just love it. Yeah, I think but, we talked about that because there are a bunch of bands like we listened to in high school or like, yeah, like early 2000s that are having like a weird renaissance right yeah, now. Yeah, it's like 15th anniversary shows of d- different records and stuff like that. Right, you know? right. Which is cool. I love that stuff. Yeah, me too. You know? it, although like I'm sure like if it's like 30th anniversary, it'll be like, no, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. Just too stop. Much. Um, you know, that's that's like I remember reading a uh, an interview 
uh, it was an interview with Weezer uh, from, I forgot, was it was in like, was it in, is in Spin Magazine or Paste? I, I One of those. But anyway, um, it was it was Rivers Cuomo saying that he hopes, you know, someone asked asked him about like playing playing songs in the future. And he I remember the quote. It was him saying that he hopes that when he's when he's 50, he's not still playing uh buddy holly you know they're they're like first single <laughs> i have and, bad news for him <laughs> yeah i i keep i keep checking this every once in a while and i just pulled it back up he's 48 so oh fuck so off close. fuck off he's so close oh i'm so uh, mad he do you follow him on twitter no i do not he's weird as hell yeah no he's a weird guy i actually i was backstage once because we were um interviewing a band for my old podcast and he was there by himself like kind of kicking around a soccer ball and i know that doesn't sound very weird but it was very weird no he apparently is very into soccer yeah well you, i could tell that's what he was doing but i was like man he's a weird duck but like his okay so like see, these are some of his recent tweets it's okay i know my dad loves me no punctuation in any of these what i'm getting so good at coring apples okay don't grind on dull stuff when is Toto going to make a cover of Africa by Weezer? Why don't you open my dad's Snapchats? Uh, mm. No more involved than I need to be. This is fun. We <laughs> like like these are these aren't sentences. These are just kind of like fragments. It's like, is he a, is he has he replaced himself with a bot? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, he's replaced the rest of Weezer enough. Maybe he finally replaced himself. But yeah, he he follows me on Twitter, and I was very excited when he followed me. So I, I like oh, wrote back, okay. and I was just like, "Hey, man, thanks for following me." And I forgot. Let, let me see if I could pull it up. Yeah, I was like, "Hey, thanks. Want to send send a note thanking you know? Thanks for following me in here. I admire your work. Take care." And he just wrote back, "Thanks, kid." And I'm like, that's so <laughs> <laughs> I, "I mean, like, that's okay. nice. That's a nice yeah, thing to say." Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's nice. It's just like it was weird because I was just being like, "Hey, man, thanks," you know, because. I, I don't know. I, I I do that when when someone, you know, someone uh, follows me. That's nice. I just quietly freak out. I think the yeah. only time I've ever reached out recently was Mitski because I was like, OK, this is too much for me to actually not address. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then she came on the show because she's the best. But that's yeah. A, such a good record. <laughs> oh, my God. How good is her record? I'm actually that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. I'm going to see her in concert in December, I think. Nice. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Oh, and then also at the end of the at the end of the month, I'm going Kayla and I are going to Wisconsin, which is this. We There's this place in Wisconsin that we've gone each of the past two years. It's this bed and breakfast in like the middle of nowhere. And it's perfect. Right. And cell, cell reception is terrible. And you guys um, went last year, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep, we went okay. last year, and then uh, the year before that, we went right before the election, <laughs> because it was like wow. I need a break before <laughs> before this, you know. And it was when it, when whatever day it was, it was it was the day that uh, that Comey released the the letter, because I remember like checking my phone and you know, and later and like all my notifications were like Comey says Clinton investigation back open. And I'm like, God damn it, this uh. isn't gonna be good, and it and, and it wasn't good, um, but yeah, so. <laughs> oh my god 
I yeah, mean, so we're going back out there for a couple of days. I'm excited for that. That'll be nice. It it helps a lot to like unplug and not be on Twitter all day. Yeah, and and I think that like that's the sad thing is to unplug from Twitter. I need to be somewhere where I physically cannot go on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I need to do that sometimes as well. Yeah. So. The thing I wanted to talk about, because I honestly don't know where to put it in the show. So I'm like, I guess this will be in the the pop culture section because the pop culture section is also like where we can talk about whatever we want. So have you seen this article about the sperm apocalypse? No. Okay. So it was originally in GQ. And apparently... I just love that everything in Children of Men is actually coming true. Right? That's been like right. a it's, fun journey for everyone. It's like, okay. <laughs> so uh, sperm counts have been plummeting recently. And they've been the focus of a scientific study for a few years now. And uh, this obviously has been coinciding with the, the rise of cis male infertility. So I want to be like very careful when I talk about it because I don't want to equate like sperm account with maleness or like anything like sure. that. But um, so there's this new report from GQ and journalist Daniel Noah Halpern spoke to a handful of epidemiologists um, and other scientists and various researchers about this decline in sperm and what it means for the future of humanity. What? So obviously the hysterical interpretation of this is like, men are going extinct and they're going to take humanity down with them. (laughs) Here's why I'm weirdly optimistic about it, right? Um, So there's a bunch of theories about why this is happening. And actually, it seems as though one of the explanations is it's actually hereditary. Like, uh, it's a hereditary transfer. So low sperm count from parent to child combined with environmental causes. So the reason I'm weirdly optimistic about this is in addition to there being stuff like uh, lower testosterone, lower sperm count, there's also like, in some cases, like smaller penises. And if that gets out there, right, and men (laughs) realize that they... Their like children could have smaller penises because of this. They might finally fix the environment. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, hey, you don't want you don't want your kid to have a baby dick. So, <laughs> right. I mean, like again, no disrespect. Everybody's genitalia no. looks different. We're all little snowflakes. No two people are the same. There's nothing wrong with having a smaller penis, but. Oh my God! I hear meatball going yeah. nuts. She's she's, uh, she's scratching her ear. Oh, are you done? Are you itchy? Are you done? Little itchy baby. You're itchy. Are you itchy? And I love you. And she loves you. Thank you. Both just staring back blankly. (laughs) Um, That's fine. That's fine. But yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's maybe not even a terrible thing if like people are having fewer babies. I so yeah, that's another thing. I feel like. Actually, that will probably be fine for the earth, especially. But I mean, for for a very specific type of machismo cis man who thinks like virility is tied to penis size. It's like, man, 
you better fix the environment then because there's a bunch of like chemicals in these plastics that might give your kid a, a smaller penis and won't that be the end of the world yeah well it's like that that uh that uh God, what was it? Uh, that's like that, that those right wing dudes who who they have that meme. They're like calling people soy boys because they think <laughs> that soy causes like it's like soy is a natural estrogen. It's like sort of, um, you right. know, and, and so it'll give it'll give like guys like boobs and stuff. It's like first off, that's stupid. Second, if there was any truth to that, like. I wouldn't need to inject myself with hormones every True. week. True, you could just eat a ton of soy. Just to, you know, just order some extra edamame. But yeah, no. Instead, I have to jab myself with a needle once a week to to shoot estrogen directly into a muscle. So right. you know, you wish soy had that much estrogen. Yeah. In it. So it's it's always funny when they say that, but it's kind of funny. It's like environmental factors might be at play, and it's like, oh no, soy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess like. And I should, you know, uh, emphasize, too, they don't know exactly what's causing this, but BPA has been a popular scapegoat in all of this. That's the stuff that's in all of our water bottles, food containers, on sales receipts, gelling agents, lubricants, binders, emulsifying agents, suspending agents, the coating of pills and nutritional supplements, medical devices, detergents packing, paint, modeling clay, pharmaceuticals, textiles, sex toys, nail polish, liquid soap, hairspray, and food. To yeah, name food. only a few from the article. So like BPA is everywhere and people have been getting freaked out about it lately. Um, so that's why you see like water bottles that are like BPA free now and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, males are not going to go extinct anytime soon. Would not be the worst thing in the world if people were having less babies. Um, but listen, if you're concerned about this, we should uh, fix the environment. Yeah. And maybe, you know, I mean, you know, when, when, when the Trump administration tries to roll back more regulations, I'm like, hey, we shouldn't give kids poison. And they're like, no, uh, founding fathers didn't care about poison. You know, like that sort of thing. It's like, <laughs> eh, maybe we should care. <laughs> I love it. Like the founding fathers didn't say anything about BPA. And it's like, because it didn't fucking exist. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, same thing with like, just any of those arguments are so dumb. It's like, that's why they gave a a way to update things. (laughs) Yes. Because they knew times changed. Also, Uh, they were terrible people. (laughs) Yeah. They owned slaves and they hated women. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, I really feel like we shouldn't be looking up to them the way that so many people do. But they all had huge dicks. So that's my understanding. Yep. That's what the history books taught me. So we should listen to the, the people with the biggest dicks. Lead. Oh. <laughs> it's always how it's been. It's always how it's been. I mean, yeah, fair but, enough. But like, you know how everybody talks about if men only got cancer like cancer would be cured by now and like we have viagra which is fucking ridiculous but Mm -hmm. like there was a problem with their penises and they figured it out (laughs) they fixed it and i'm not figured out get it covered by insurance (laughs) you know there were there were lady scientists also working on it and and all of that stuff but like it was a problem with cis men uh quote-unquote problem with cis men and uh it was fixed like pretty quickly so now we have something that is threatening 
literally dick sizes. So maybe let's fix it, right? Because now it's actually a problem because it's affecting cis men. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's it's not a problem until it affects them. That's basically the, the you know, mm-hmm. our, our approach to history. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. In addition to following uh, the cis men with the largest penises, also, if anything threatens their dicks at any point, we come together as a country to defend their penises. Yes. yes. You know, that's wars have been fought over this. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So let's wage war on pollutants and bad chemicals. And let's try to prevent like the world from actually becoming children of men. Yeah, it was it was kind of kind of dark and dire. Even I though mean. that is my favorite movie. It's a good movie. It's a good I, fucking movie. That, that one, that one part with the single shot as he like runs through that stuff. It's like that was my, that's my favorite. Oh, did you ever see like the behind the scenes story of that shot? No. So it, it literally, I mean, it took an entire day just to set it up, and sure. it took you know um, Colin maybe a couple minutes to run through everything. But like everything had to be so carefully choreographed that it took all day, and. He starts running and immediately uh, blood splattered on the camera. And so the director screamed cut, but no one could hear him over the explosions. (laughs) So they just kept going. And that's the shot he ultimately used because he loved how the blood looked on the camera. But that was a total accident. And he actually he thought it ruined the shot and he told them to stop. And they just kept going because they didn't hear him, which I love. I love stories like that from shoots, you know, like complete serendipity. (laughs) uh yeah that's that's awesome though what's your favorite film oh man i don't know if i have one Mm, okay that's weird that's not weird i mean it like truly is hard for me to pick only one i just like the scale of children of men really awes and inspires me which is why i love it yeah see i have a hard time i have a hard time re-watching movies i don't know like there aren't too many movies that I'd be like, yes, let's sit down and rewatch this. Sure, like, sure. I feel like, and I, I'm kind of, I'm the same way with TV shows too. Like, I'm not, like, I don't know. I, 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 I've never been one of those people who's like, oh, I went and saw this movie three times in theaters. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, see it once and maybe never think about it ever again. See, I really like... I love it, you know? I really like bringing other people to see stuff that I enjoyed to watch, like, them react to it. Yeah. So that's why I'll go see a movie three times. I won't go by myself to go see a movie three times. But I'll go with, like, a new group of friends who hasn't seen it, you know? Yeah, that's fair. You know, yeah, like like that's a that's a thing too. I guess, you know, like hey, let's watch this. I want to basically like I want to see your reaction. You know, I want to share this experience with with someone. Like that's one thing, you know, right. but like I don't like I would never be like sitting in in my room, you know, by myself and be like, "All right, time to rewatch that season of 24." I don't know. I was thinking <laughs> about whatever I was watching in college. Where I had all the DVDs. <laughs> like picturing you really getting into 24 is so funny to me. I I used to watch it every single week. Oh, and, I did too. No, I was really, yeah. really into it. Yeah. Yeah. And then then like at a certain point I realized I was like, oh no, this is this is glorifying like torture. Oh, a hundred percent. It is But like it didn't click at first. Yeah, it was, no, it is truly an evil show. I mean, like down to actual troops like 
mimicking the behavior of Jack Bauer, which is the most horrifying thing I can think of um, in terms of like torturing people. But it's hard to answer like favorite film, I think, especially when it comes to genre, because in terms of like badass post-apocalyptic films, obviously Children of Men, but like comedy, I don't know, Clue. And yeah, then, that's good. And then yeah. I don't want to make like Clue and Children of Men duke it out, you know, because they can't because they're so different. Yeah, it's see, that's why that's why the Golden Globes make sense. Yes, <laughs> and, and why the Oscars, the Oscars is don't. bullshit and their although, stupid popular film category won't fix it. Although I don't musicals and comedies like putting those in the same. I don't know. I Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. You think I, that's I just fair? feel like sometimes they're, you know. Sometimes... I don't think that's fair. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. like, I don't know. If something's a really good musical, like, and you're trying to compare it to a comedy, that's awkward. Yeah, I agree. And also, I don't feel like there's, in some seasons of the Oscars, enough good comedies for one to get nominated. Yeah. So sometimes a comedy that gets nominated it's like what also sometimes their definition of what a com- like as good as it gets was a comedy yeah that's always weird well and then some people argue like remember when when people were arguing over whether get out was a comedy or a drama or yes. you know yes, yes and yes. and like and that's the thing like they you know the studio submitted it as a comedy um right which you know which it was it was a, a very dark comedy. Well, and know, also in a like, lot of ways. that might have been a strategy. Like maybe we can be more competitive if we come in as a comedy, you know? Yeah. Uh, anyways, guys, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. All right, we have to, have to, have to, have to talk about this bananas uh, excerpt from Bob Woodward's new book. Yes. Oh, my fucking God, you guys. So this was in the Washington Post, and I was just like tweeting one wild passage after another. So Bob Woodward, and I like, I'm sort of impressed that he got this amount of access to the Trump White House, considering like Trump hates the press, is deeply suspicious of the media. I'm assuming someone told him who Bob Woodward is. <laughs> we tweeted about Bob Woodward in the past. And like- still, Woodward got this like, it's called deep background access, meaning the information. Uh, can be used, but he won't reveal who provided it. So, and I think the reason enough people talk to him is because they're very, very concerned about Trump. And that's revealed in the article itself. But I'm just going to read some passages and can we like talk about it? Yeah. Okay. So this is the first one. After Syrian leader Bashar al-Assad launched a chemical attack on civilians in April 2017, Trump called General Mattis and said he wanted to assassinate the dictator. Quote, 
let's fucking kill him. Let's go in. Let's kill the fucking lot of them. <laughs> oh my God. Wasn't there another thing in there about how basically it's like you don't need a plan. Just kill people. You know, like yes. something something along those lines. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that was something. Like, remember he was... Uh, I don't, I don't know, like, re- remember when, when Trump was like, I have a secret plan to defeat ISIS? <laughs> yeah. And it turns out that it's basically just, like, tell people to go in and kill people? Like, Yeah. Oh, okay. And, like, here's the thing. I'm not saying, like, it's new that the United States would extrajudicially kill the leader of a, another country because that's why we have the CIA. Like, that, we have a history of doing that, right? But it, what is so worrisome about Trump is how that is, like, his first impulse, it, it's never like an op, and I'm not saying it should ever be an option on the table, obviously, but I feel like for other leaders, that is an option that's not on the, that is on the table. It's not the first one they go to. <laughs> yeah, they're like, kill. Kill, 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 kill. And just like, let's fucking kill him, like so flippantly. Yeah, nah. <laughs> um, so then uh, he is talking about, oh, wait, let me actually find it in the article uh well so just while while you're looking for that um this trump tweet from march 1st 2013 only the obama white house can get away with attacking bob woodward (laughs) that's so specific wow wow i that takes there's always a tweet to the extreme yes and there truly is always a tweet. There is. So Gary Cohn, who is Trump's former top economic advisor, uh, had a system for containing Trump when he was acting in a very dangerous way. So Cohn was concerned because Trump um, is stridently national nationalistic when it comes to trade. So according to Woodward, Cohn stole a letter off Trump's desk that the president (laughs) was intending to sign to formally withdraw the U.S. from a trade agreement with South Korea. Cohn later told an associate that he removed the letter to protect national security and that Trump did not notice that it was missing. (laughs) Uh... Like, what? Like, the fact that they can contain him by just taking shit off his desk and he doesn't notice? He's like, oh, okay. That is frightening. I mean, I you know how like what's what's that called? Object permanence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like he has maybe hasn't developed like that. Right. That sure. Understanding sure. Understanding just yet. So if it's not in front of me, doesn't know. <laughs> I would actually fully buy that that he does not have object permanence. Yeah. It's just like oh okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so funny. He also thinks the biggest mistake he made was when he condemned Nazis. So he initially, we all remember during Charlottesville when Nazi, a Nazi killed Heather Heyer that Trump came out and he made that stupid both sides comment where he's like, there's good people on both sides, mm-hmm. basically saying like there's good Nazis. So after that, his advisors really urged him to condemn white supremacists and neo-Nazis. But almost immediately he told his aides, quote, that was the biggest fucking mistake I've made and the worst speech I've ever given. <laughs> you think that's the biggest mistake you've ever made or made while president? Like, truly, God. truly, that was like one of the only sort of halfway decent things he was forced to do 
which was come out and be like, I condemn white supremacy. Yeah, God. <laughs> like, and even that he fucked up. Like, yes. Yeah. He could even do that. Right. Yeah. It's God. It's he's just. And, and I mean, and also the so the fact that he's like he's tweeting about this nonstop since yesterday. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely leads me to believe that um the whole thing's 100 percent true oh absolutely yeah like i i mean like like michael wolf was not a great like you know he's like he kind of has like a shaky record you know and embellishes things so when fire and fury came out it was like eh, maybe but then like but bob woodward it's like yeah yeah i mean like i wouldn't i I don't think we have reason to doubt him on this. I would, you know? yeah, I, I would I buy this. With some of with a lot of Woodward's like opinions on things, sure. you know, but like, but his reporting, like his actual reporting, has always been, you know, pretty spot on. Yeah, I, know? I don't. I'm not. At least I'm not aware of people who are who have ever thought that he was like fabricating. Yeah. Yeah. So also in the article, um, Woodward recounts repeated episodes of anxiety inside the government over Trump's handling of the North Korean nuclear threat. One month into his presidency, Trump asked Dunford for a plan for a preemptive military strike on North Korea, which rattled the combat veteran because he was a (laughs) month into his presidency and he asked for a preemptive military strike on North Korea. Like that is the nightmare scenario liberals were talking about. And we were accused of, being hysterical yeah God, you know oh he's not gonna bomb people. he might <laughs> like he, he'd want to literally the only thing that makes me sort of optimistic after reading this article is that there seems to be enough people around trump where they are at least trying to stop him from i don't know blowing up the world like obviously he's still doing a lot of damage in terms of immigration and separating kids from their families and putting like babies in detention centers which is horrific enough on its own and like what's happening in yemen and all of that stuff but at least when it comes to like i want to go blow up north korea or i want to go fucking kill assad like there's people who are like oh get the paper off his desk get the paper off his desk you know yeah i mean that's that's sort of it's it's sort of nice that there are you know if it you know if like i feel like those are the things that might be exaggerated you know the like the fact that there are other people like really getting trying to, to try him. to stop him sure i'd buy that yeah. you know they, they everyone wants to make themselves look good you yes. know so i don't know i just i uh, mean my, the only was, thing that like i believe cone because cone was gone right after that so like anybody yeah. who has since like stepped down or or been forced to resign or anything like that i tend to believe their stories more because it's like yeah that's probably why they fucking left yeah maybe you know i mean but at the same time if if you're if you honestly feel like you're you're saving the world from nuclear war yeah uh do you leave that job true (laughs) no i mean i don't know but at the same time anyone who would work for trump is a trash person yeah like they're complicit yeah yeah a hundred percent. Okay, so one more passage, and then we can move on. Um, so is this th- the Spicer one? No, but no. do you want to read that one? Uh, let me find. Okay. Let me find that one. Okay, this just made me laugh. So I don't know how like valuable it is. So, um, 
obviously Trump is really, really embarrassed by the Mueller inquiry. And Woodward describes a phone call he had with Egyptian uh, President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi. And at one point, um, uh, Sisi says that, Donald, I'm worried about this investigation. Are you going to be around? Which is such a funny way of phrasing like, yo, are they about to like kick you out as president because you're (laughs) so fucking corrupt? So then Trump later on was talking about that phone call and said, quote, it was like a kick in the nuts, <laughs> which I just thought was so funny. Like a kick in the nuts. Like a that's, kick in the nuts. I mean, like that's, a, you know how sometimes there, the, I forgot who used to do it, but there was a, like how we, how we would report on the U.S. if the U.S. was some foreign country, yes, you know, yes, yes, yes. like those types of things like this. You know, that that kind of seems like a plausible thing where it's just like, hey, are you are you still going to be around for a bit? You know, like I just love how he phrased it too. like Donald. I'm very concerned. Um, And you should be as well, because he's a garbage fire. Yeah. Did you find the Spicer? Oh, I did. Oh, hell yeah. It's, It's on page 133, apparently. Okay. Sean Spicer tried several times to persuade Mattis to appear on Sunday talk shows. The answer was always no. Sean, Mattis finally said, I've killed people for a living. If you call me again, I'm going to fucking send you to Afghanistan. Are we clear? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's, a, that's just amazing. It's like, you know what? Perfect. I mean, truly, this is the worst administration of all time. Yeah. It yeah. is. The stories that are coming out, it's like a hard to believe. Yeah. Oh, my like, God. God, that's amazing. Like, <laughs> I will send you to Afghanistan. It's just like extra scary when it's like, oh, he could do that. <laughs> yeah. You know. uh, <laughs> what a specific yeah. threat. I love that. I'm just going to start to say that to strangers and have them be send, like, don't make me send you to war. <laughs> I will send you to the battlefield. Like, okay. Uh, I also wanted to talk about uh, Monica Lewinsky recently was doing an interview at a conference in Jerusalem and apparently she had given like very specific uh, off-limit questions to the interviewer ahead of time. Like, I don't want to talk about anything to do with Bill Clinton or any of that nonsense. And they like, according to Monica Lewinsky, understood uh, the interviewer was Israeli TV news anchor Yanit Levi of... um, so, yeah, she she knew what she could and could not ask. Regardless, brought up a question about Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky very calmly, like, stood up and walked off yeah. stage because she was like, nope, I just spoke for, like, 45 minutes and I was supposed to do, like, a brief interview. You're breaking the rules. I'm leaving. So mm-hmm. then Monica Lewinsky put out a statement afterwards where she, like, explained that there were clear parameters about what we, we would be discussing and what we would not and um, so I wanted to talk about it because of the blatant sexism in asking her this. Like the fact that Monica Lewinsky is expected to answer questions about Bill Clinton for the rest of her fucking life. But very almost no one would dare bring her up to him ever. Right. And I mean, and, you know, and except for someone 
somewhat recently did. But if any, like he should get those questions, you know, she shouldn't have to deal with it. It's been 20 years, uh, you yes. know, and, and I, well, yeah. and first off, it's like, I mean, Monica Lewinsky is one of my favorite people on Twitter. Yes, she is. She is a ray of sunshine. She is just a gen, genuinely good person. I can't even imagine what how much of a broken human being I would be if I had to go through one one hundredth of what she's gone through in her life. Yeah. You know, but she's like came out of this and she's like, yeah, doing anti-bullying things. And it's like, great. She does great work. Anyway, just yes. wanted, to, wanted to put that out there. But also the headlines in this thing in in response to this, she stormed off. She didn't storm off. No. And like, know, and framing it, it like that. Anybody who watched the video knows she didn't storm off. She like very calmly gets up and walks off stage. Um, also, a great lesson to anyone out there that you don't have to sit through an uncomfortable situation. <laughs> you know, like the fact that she felt empowered enough to be like, nope, you're you're breaking our arrangement right now and I'm leaving. Um, also, just a good role model for people out there. If someone's disrespecting you and, and asking you uncomfortable things or making you uncomfortable in general, you can uh, feel empowered enough to get up and leave. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We should all, you know, we should all aspire to be more like Monica Lewinsky. I agree. Just generally. You know, and, and I... Still on Twitter, there are people who are like, no, you shouldn't look up to her. No, I totally look up to her. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean. The person who was wrong in that situation. It was not her. It was not her. There was a gross power imbalance. He was older than her. He was her boss. He was the president of the United States. He was a fucking predator. The person who was wrong in that situation was Bill Clinton. He is the one, if we're going to keep bringing this up, and I'm not saying we should keep bringing it up, but if we're going to bring it up, he's the one who should be fielding the questions. She's now doing important work. Um, it's not like she doesn't have anything else going on. Like, she's, like, incredibly busy and, like, successful and doing great stuff with, like, you know, uh, like, anti-bullying campaigns on social media and stuff like that. There's plenty to talk about with Monica Lewinsky outside of that incident. Yeah. Well, exactly. And I mean, she like she was on she was on my 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 Christmas card list. I sent you one. Oh, and, uh, yes, you, you know, did. I sent yeah. sent you one. I sent her one, you know, so it's like she's she doesn't she shouldn't have to put up with shit. She should she should just get nice Christmas cards from people. I agree. Um, You know, and and uh, nice messages and not ask shitty questions and made to deal with with that stuff any longer than she's had to. But, you know, yeah, it's a, there's a lesson to be to take away from that. And it's, you know, if, if you're in a situation where someone, someone asks you, a, a, you know, if you've established, because what happened was, you know, she established boundaries and the person asked a question, which went past those boundaries. You know, I mean, I have those types of things are, you know, built into interviews all the time. You know, it's not, it's not some like random thing. Like, Oh, how dare she have anything off, you know, off question or whatever no that's not unusual at all yeah yeah like that's totally normal which is which is why sometimes when when you're like why didn't that journalist ask whatever such a such and such a question it's probably it's like because they wouldn't have gotten the interview otherwise which is problematic in some situations you know if it's like world leaders yeah like i <laughs> like, i don't want to talk about if someone's yeah. like i don't want to talk about the war crimes i committed it's sort of like different than monica Lewinsky saying like hey could you not bring up that fucking thing for the millionth time yeah um 
So then I think we have enough time to briefly talk about this. I wanted to talk about Trump suggesting that NBC's license should be challenged. He likes to do that, doesn't he? He does. He likes just throwing that out there in a uh, very terrifying way. So uh, he attacked the network's journalistic standards following reports that it had passed on a damning expose about Harvey Weinstein. Now, the reason this is super nefarious is it was really shady. NBC did that, Um, especially at a time when like Ronan Farrow was being threatened. We actually talked about this on Light Treason News the other day in the bad news section about how fucked up that was that NBC did that. And definitely like executives who passed on it should be challenged and maybe lose their jobs because that was extremely irresponsible. But for Trump to sort of swoop in and then challenge their license is so creepy because, you know, obviously his he, he just has a vendetta against the media in general, especially yeah. uh, networks that have um, broadcast uh, criticism of him. He's really like gunning for them. And so it, it's like creepy that he would use a valid point to push his own agenda. Yeah, he does that, though. <laughs> He does. Well, actually, this is a little more clever than he usually is. Usually he's just screaming like fake news. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, OK, so I looked up <laughs> I looked up the last time he threatened to, to pull in, you know, to to challenge their license, which was in October 2017. He wrote with all the fake news coming out of NBC and the networks. At what point is it appropriate to challenge their license? Bad for country exclamation point so yeah no yeah this is he's 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 learning he's evolving it's like in uh, jurassic park when the raptors learn how to open a door <laughs> exactly that's what we're dealing with right now uh object permanence and raptors opening doors yep and that's 2018 everybody on that note let's get to it before you go out to the rest of your day here is your good news <laughs> So I actually wanted to get to this good news on yesterday's episode, but we ran out of time. Um, Ayanna Presley shocked the hell out of everyone and won her primary in Massachusetts. And now it looks like she's she's close to becoming Massachusetts' first black woman in Congress. Um, and Ayanna... Uh, gained a huge following because she is uh, she's a sexual assault survivor, which she talked about um, during the campaign. Um, she's an activist, uh, you know, just a very like charismatic, brilliant person. Um, and she beat Representative Michael uh, Capano, who's a 10 term lawmaker. Yeah. And was at least early on, his seat was considered pretty safe. And she surprised the hell out of a lot of people, at least like in the know, um, and won. And there's like a great video clip of her reacting to winning where she also looks very surprised. <laughs> uh, it kind of reminded me of Cortez when she won. Like, you know, yeah. as confident as you feel, as good of a campaign as you might have run, when you unseat a 10-term representative that must be a surprise yeah 
You know, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. And that's that that's what makes me so frustrated with the fact that, um, you know, that the actual Democratic leadership is still so not, you know, paying attention to these sorts mm-hmm, of things. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, it's clear that people are are rejecting this idea of being, uh, you know, rejecting this this. Uh, oh, we have to move to the center. It's like, no, well, that's <laughs> run, what's people so frustrating. To, run people to the left. On yesterday's episode, we were talking about like the people who are predicting there's going to be a blue wave. And it's so frustrating to watch like the establishment Democrats still predicting the blue wave when the blue wave is happening, but it's happening with candidates that the establishment doesn't like. So it's happening with actual left wing candidates. But of course, people like Nancy Pelosi don't want to acknowledge that because they are centrists. Um, And that's being generous, calling them centrists. But like in terms of generating enthusiasm and, and the blue wave that is happening right now, it's happening with like real progressive candidates. And in some cases, socialists. Mm -hmm. So like, it's important to acknowledge that if you're interested in winning elections. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, God, I, I, I feel like, I don't know. I like, I feel hopeful in, in some, some regards, you know, seeing, seeing which candidates are, are thriving. Mm. Uh, but I also, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's, there's an effort to ignore, you know, people. And also I really wish people would stop referring to anytime someone on the left, like as the Bernie wing, oh, like just God. stop. Yeah. Like, it's just not like the only reason you would refer to, you would, you know, constantly still talk in terms of, is this the Hillary wing or the Bernie wing of the party? It's like, those aren't what, <laughs> you know, I mean, the only reason you would do that is if you were just like, Hey, I want to keep, keep, uh, keep that 2016 primary alive. Like just stop, you know, I mean, I mean, it's frustrating just because any candidate who is successful is only successful because they have tapped into a movement that already yeah. existed. Yeah, exactly. So that was already there. And Bernie just happened to be right place, right time. Uh, but it, it's also limiting, right? Because it's like, it's saying yeah. that the movement can't exist without Bernie Sanders. Right. Which is, you know, which is the problem that people got into with, you know, with Obama, you know, because it was, it was putting all your, you know, putting all your energy onto this, this figure, this figure, you know, of just being like, he, he is the leader of, you know, this party and kind or you know, or the leader of whatever movement. And I think that that's, uh, that that's not helpful in the long run, at least. I mean, when, you know, like when, when Republicans, you know, the Tea Party kind of came to power, uh, I think it was smart to, to not really, you know, like there was no like, this is the one politician who represents the Tea Party. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was like, here are, you know, here here are four dozen candidates who all have ridiculous views on everything, but you know, they, they're all running under this, this movement. They were not, they were not running under, you know, they weren't like, Oh, the Ted Cruz wing in the party, you know, it wasn't like <laughs> right, that. Right. Uh, and then I guess like, I don't know if this is technically good news. I mean, I guess ultimately it was good news, but the New Yorker has disinvited Steve Bannon from their festival following a Twitter uproar. Uh, because Bannon had been invited to the October festival. Uh, 
And um, this obviously was the New Yorker Festival. Um, and I was confused to begin with because here's the thing. So like the New Yorker defended itself and its decision to uh, invite Steve Bannon because they were like, we are a smorgasbord of ideas, basically, where they were like, we want everyone to come to the table. But even if that was the case, even if you wanted like white supremacy represented at the New Yorker festival, which I question your decision to begin with, but it's not like Steve Bannon is a smart, articulate person. No, he's he, not relevant right now. He's either. not relevant. He's a dumb dumb. And like, I'm not saying that there are intellectuals in, in white supremacy land, but even if that's like your defense, he's not a smart, articulate person. He's adding nothing, nothing of value to this. I think it's pretty clear. It was just meant to like shock and entice people. Yeah. Which is a bad reason to do it. Yep. It's very dumb. And that's why there was a big backlash. And then you have to backpedal and then you look stupid. So maybe don't invite Nazis to begin with. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, Bannon was like, he won as soon as he was invited. I mean, like no matter how that turned out, he, he comes away winning because either he would have participated and he's legitimized, you know, or he would get canceled and then he could go see this is proof that conservatives like me are being just you know discriminated against or Mm -hmm. that you know the left wants to shut down discussion you know that sort of thing like it's it's funny thinking that any that the new yorker is the quote-unquote left you know when it's what right (laughs) um but at the same time it's you know they played right into his hands and that's what that's what like pissed me off the most because it's just like you knew that this was what would happen and you know i I almost feel like the only thing worse than inviting him is uninviting him uh that was kind of my personal my personal belief on that you know where it's just like at 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 that point just just let him do his thing and not see don't, don't draw more attention to it that's kind of my thought i mean I I disagree. I think it was important to disinvite him. I think it's always a mistake to platform white supremacists, even if like ultimately he gets to cry about it for a little bit and and be a martyr, because honestly, he's going to play the part of martyr anyway. That's what they always do. Like if he had contacted them to do it and they said no, he would have like cried about it. Um, I'm fine with that. Let them feel like victims like I think the worst thing you can do is platform a white supremacist because then that is the New Yorker at least tacitly, although not tacitly, like actively giving their approval. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. You know, it's, it's, I, I honestly just wish they would have just not invited him in the first place. Like, because not inviting someone is, is not silencing them. Like I was not invited to speak at, at the New Yorker festival. You were Me not invited either, to speak, but I'm like know? really it's, upset about it. Yeah, actually. It's like, yeah. it's like, we're not being silenced. <laughs> I'm know? sort it's, of being silenced. <laughs> I can hear you right now. Oh, you fine. are not silenced. <laughs> I still have a podcast. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to shout out John Mulaney and Judd Apatow threatened to pull out of their appearances at the New Yorker festival. If Bannon was headlining. Yeah. So good on you gents. Yeah, and then after after Bannon had already like, what was it? Bannon had already like dropped out, 
and that's when Jimmy Fallon was like, I'm also out. And it's like, uh, I forgot who, who tweeted, uh, but someone was like, this is the most Fallon thing possible to to like wait until after something happened and jump in and be like, yes, me too. I know. <laughs> me as well. Listen, Jimmy's never going to be the revolutionary people want him to be, okay? It's <laughs> just never going to happen. Yeah. It's not who he is. It's not in his DNA. Oh, well, I mean, John Mulaney generally is not political. I don't know. You know? If, if if people had asked me between Fallon and Mulaney, I, oh, yeah. oh, like yeah. Mulaney I mean, would say something. But, uh, but, but yeah, yeah, you're right. He's not like out on the forefronts, like making political statements a lot. Yeah. Right. Um, also in good news, and I'm hoping that the U.S. will follow suit, although, you know, hoping that this administration does anything right is um, usually folly. But Spain canceled its bomb sales to Saudi Arabia amid uh, cons- uh, Yemen concerns. All so right. in case you don't know what's happening in Yemen right now, uh, Saudi Arabia is uh, bombing the hell out of Yemen. And oftentimes uh, the weapons that they're using are sold to them by other countries, including uh, Spain or the United States including a a bomb that just killed a bunch of kids in Yemen. And so people have been paying a little bit more attention to Yemen since uh, a bunch of kids died. And I had covered on the show, I think a couple weeks ago, when the, the bombing first happened and all the kids were killed, that CNN did a very interesting thing. And they showed a map of where the bomb, the bombing happened. And they showed that the bomb was made by Lockheed Martin. Right, right. Which was interesting, and I can't remember ever happening on a major news network, but I think it's critically important to do that because I, I don't think a lot of Americans know that not only was that bomb given, sold to the Saudi Arabia by the U.S., but that a company that maybe lives like in their own community built it. So I think it's important for us to like make that connection in our heads. But anyway... So uh, Spain has canceled delivery of bombs to Saudi Saudi Arabia. Uh, Obviously, they were fearful that the weapons could be used against Iran-aligned Houthi rebels in Yemen. And because that's the whole excuse of why they're bombing the shit out of Yemen, because these Houthi rebels are there, but they're also killing, like, shitloads of civilians. Um, And hopefully the U.S. follows suit. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, we're we kind of the worst. <laughs> we are very much <laughs> Sell, the worst. Selling weapons all over the place and just, you know. I wanted to shout out, if you're curious to, like, learn more about what's happening in Yemen, um, Chris Hayes has a really good podcast. And yeah. the yeah. other day he had on, uh, wait, I actually want to, like, get her name. Um, but they talked in depth about what's happening in Yemen and how, like, the U.S., is supplying weapons to Saudi Arabia. So the podcast is called Why Is This Happening? And I think also, oop, I started playing it. Um, do do do. See, that's what you should, you should just play other people's podcasts on oh, your imagine. podcast, just like all the way through. Then I would be best of the left. No shade, best of the oh, left. Oh, uh, zing. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, the guest was Shireen Al-Adimi, and she talks about, like, the very, very complicated history of the Houthi rebels and Saudi Arabia's role in Yemen. But it's super interesting. And I think, like, 
not a lot of Americans understand our role in Yemen and like why we're supplying weapons to, to, to bomb that area. So uh, if you're curious to learn more about that, go check out that episode. Cool. And then finally, what did I want to close with? Oh, yeah. Listen, I know it's popular to shit on Kim Kardashian, but she actually recently went back to the White House to discuss the case of Chris Young, who's a man whose 2010 arrest for marijuana and cocaine possession led to a life sentence. And she found out about his case from Brittany Bar uh, Barnett, who's the co-founder of Buried Alive Project, which is an organization dedicated to ending life without parole under federal drug law. Mm -hmm. According to Buried Alive, there are approximately 3,800 men and women currently serving life sentences for drug offenses in the United States, and 80% of them are people of color. So Kardashian learned about his case and went to the White House to advocate on his behalf. And I know it's really popular to shit on her, but I'm like, I think this is a great example of someone using their fame and platform for a good thing. That's yeah. not a blanket endorsement of everything she does. She does a bunch of shady stuff that we don't need to get into right now. But listen, like it's sort of a damned if you do damned if you don't situation. Like if she tries to do something, people make fun of her. If she didn't use her fame for anything good, people would call her selfish. So I'm like, let's encourage good behavior when it happens. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's sad that, you know, the only way to get through to, you know, the, the, the White House is to be a super famous celebrity. And like a beautiful woman, because I'm yeah. sure that's part of Trump wanting to meet with her. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. But also I'm uh, like, hey, girl, use those looks for something good, you know? Sure. I'm, you know, I'm like I, I have no problem with that. I think I think that it's it's I think it's a good thing. Like I, I it annoys me when people are constantly like, oh, well, so and so only cares about something because, you know, like who cares? Just if I people really don't if, care if people are using their platform, whatever it may be, you know, whether it's you with your podcast, you know, me with Twitter or, you know, Kim Kardashian with the entire world, you know, for good, like that's that's good. That's that's a good thing. More people need to do that instead of being like, well, are you good enough? You know? Yeah. And like, listen, if people who follow Kim Kardashian on Instagram are suddenly talking about mandatory minimum sentencing, like fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, or even if they're made aware of these, you know, bananas um, sentencing laws and like how people can get locked up the rest of their lives for a drug charge just to get more people who usually wouldn't be talking about that, talking about that. I think that's valuable. I think it should be commended. That doesn't mean you have to love the Kardashians or everything they do, but like encourage that be good behavior when it happens. Cause like, if you make fun of people when they're trying to do the right thing, they're that just sucks. Not gonna, they're not going to keep doing the right yeah, thing. It's, you know? not, it's, it's negative reinforcement. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally hear you. And uh, I actually hadn't heard that story yet. I, you know, like I, so I think, I think what happened was, which has honestly made my, made my life uh, just better generally, was I muted, uh, I muted the words Jenner and Kardashian mm -hmm. just uh, on, on Twitter, because I was sick of finding out whatever 
ridiculously stupid thing Caitlyn Jenner was doing on any given day. Sure. And so, so I think I just totally missed this story as as it came across. You calculated correctly 99% of the time. This is the 1% where like Kim Kardashian did a good thing and and you missed the story. And I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes, you know, it's like, I, I figure if something good happens, people will let me know. <laughs> See, it just happened. I let you know. You know, because everyone's always surprised whenever something good happens because it's true. You know, the world. <laughs> this is why I have a good news section for the show because yeah. it's, I feel like even for people who gripe that the media is, you know, blood obsessed and, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. We too sort of fall into that trap where we only really obsess over the negative things that are happening because there are so many of them and and the scale is vast. But then like sometimes you you miss out on positive stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So guys, please go to lighttreason.news, smash that donate button if you want to keep us going, if you've been enjoying the show. Free ways to help the show. Tell your friends. Honestly, we're a word of mouth operation. I am not a white man hosting a podcast. So I'm not going to appear on any lists, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> recommendation lists. Uh, I'm not four dudes in a room shouting over each other. So um, I need your support to tell your friends about the show. And also go to iTunes. Leave a nice review. That really helps as well. It helps bump us up on the iTunes charts. Please follow Parker on Twitter at Parker Malloy. I'm also on Twitter at Allison Kilkenny. Light Trees and News. Oh, buddy, we're everywhere. We're on Twitter. <laughs> we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, SoundCloud. I think we're, we're nearing 100 followers on Sound, uh, SoundCloud, which is neat because I never promote SoundCloud. Uh, but do go follow us there as well. And guys, thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>